Welcome to our Brave Feminine Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm in conversation with Sue Price, and Sue is one of my very first Mastermind graduates, a group that will always hold a special place in my heart as we connected, shared experiences, built a new network and grew together. And we're still together today as part of our alumni network. Sue is a highly successful retail executive with a career that spans South Africa, the UK and Australia. Sue found me as a result of my very first interview series at a time in her life where she was assessing her next career step. Sue is dynamic, ambitious and a strong leader. She's also open and honest about the challenges juggling her career, her family and her husband's career as a surgeon. I'm all about shattering myths of leaders and leadership. And leadership is a true privilege. It is hard. When it's done well, it's transformational and great leaders are always learning. Navigating careers is also an ongoing challenge for females. Our confidence expands and contracts and sometimes having a partner by your side to ask the questions and help unlock the answers helps keep you at the top of your game or get back there. Sue is a brilliant example of the incredible women who join our masterminds. I really hope you enjoy our conversation. I am thrilled today to be joined by Sue Price. Sue, thank you for joining me. Love it. Thank you. So, Sue, I'm going to kick off by just sharing a little bit with our audience of who you are. So I'll step through your bio briefly and then we'll jump into the conversation. So Sue Price is a retail executive with over 20 years of global retail and e-commerce experience in South Africa, UK and Australia. So Sue started her retail career in South Africa um, at a place that's referred to by many as the University of Retail, Um, then shifted to the UK to work for Freemans London, um, gaining invaluable experience in the complexities of direct-to-consumer shopping. She then joined Debenhams. Um, From there, Sue moved to Australia in 2014, where she worked for Target Australia and for the largest department store, Maya. She was able to combine detailed planning, buying and product development knowledge to lead transformation across premium cosmetics and fashion apparel portfolios. Sue's currently leading the merchandise transformation at GPC, Asia Pacific, loving the challenge of learning a new industry, aftermarket, I can't even say it, Sue, aftermarket, automotive, parts and service. Yeah. So I love, I love the last part of your bio, which we'll get into. Sue secretly thinks she's a doctor as she's been married to Tim since he graduated from medical school and they've got three teenage daughters. Welcome, Sue. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. Yeah, I'll start with the doctor because I do truly believe you can get it through osmosis. (laughs) Diagnosis, you're the woman to come to. Yeah, a lot of our friends think that's the case. And and I do have to say, look, you know, you may want to seek out a professional on this one. (laughs) Fantastic. Now, for anyone who hasn't had the pleasure of coming across you before, Sue, I might get you to share your story. So in your words, um, and maybe let's start with, you know, who are you as a human being? Okay. So I am um, obviously a, a, a mom. I'm a retailer. I'm a mom. I'm a wife. I'm, I'm a traveler. I'm, a, I'm, an, I'm an adventure seeker. Um, there is a fabulous saying by a French poet, and I think it was more, I, I, take, I use the context that suits me, but um, Francois Rabelais, who says, I, I go to seek the great perhaps. And for me, it's always about okay, let's just go a little step further. Let's just see what's around the corner. Let's just, what if I did this a little bit more? Um, So I'm really, the heart of me is, and 
probably a silly optimist at times and I'm just constantly looking for what what is next so I, I kind of put my life in chapters and I keep thinking okay you know what's the next chapter mm. um I I have worked in retail as you said started in South Africa it's something that is in my DNA I my mom taught me to sew when I was probably eight or nine I designed my own Barbie doll clothes she was very tolerant actually thinking in retrospect because she knitted lots of hats for me I age myself now hugely because I actually had leg warmers for my Barbie dolls, which my daughters don't understand. But that was the trend at the time and my Barbie dolls had to have leg warmers. So she patiently knitted me some. Um, I'll just interrupt briefly to say, uh, you've just aged me too. because uh, <laughs> I used to make dolls clothes for my Barbies. They also had leg warmers. And I once cut my finger open whilst making Barbie doll clothes. And mum was on an important phone call and didn't realise as I sprayed blood around the house quite what was going on. So <sighs> you understand. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I then had my friends doing fashion shows at high school. Um, so I organized these fashion shows and had these poor girls walking up and down some bizarre catwalk. Um, so really, I'm, all, I'm absolutely always been driven and love fashion. Mm. I went into it through pure, actually purely by chance. I did a business science degree, which was essentially an MBA at the um, University of Cape Town. And a really good friend of mine walked up to me one day when I was in my final year and doing my thesis. And she said, oh, I'll put your name down for an interview to work at the Fashini Group. Mm -hmm. So I was a bit like, wow. She said, yes, so that's where you've got to go. You, you love fashion, you live and breathe it, um, go to the interview. And, and actually that was such a, such a key thing for me in my career was having her know mm -hmm. me so well. And then she went and put my name down and I went for the interview and that was it. You know, I got the job and, um, and I hadn't even seen the, the placement interview um, flyer on the uni campus and she she did it for me so you know that's that's me I suppose in a nutshell and I just loved the fact that my role and my job and my chosen career has enabled me to travel to the UK and work there for 17 years and love it mm -hmm. travel to Australia and there is a need for good retailers all over the world um, as complicated as we try and make it it's still fairly simple and there is a requirement for good retailers everywhere. So, um, so many things I love about that. But a question I want to ask is, what do you think you might have done? Had that friend not flagged that with you? Were you, in your mind, were you going a certain direction? I was probably a little bit lost, if I'm honest, because I I'd knew I really wanted to be in business. And at that time, this was a, you know, a very academic course and we didn't do student placements in organizations. So I you know, graduated and really had no idea what I was gonna do. Mm. I had actually done um, a human resources stream, which when I got to the end of my thesis, realized I didn't wanna go into HR, mm. and, but then I didn't know where, what other opportunities were. So you have a lot of companies come to the university to obviously um, present themselves to you as a graduate from catering, big hospitality companies. Um, so, it was just amazing that I actually didn't know. And I think that was probably why she was watching out for me so much because mm -hmm. she knew some of the conflict that I was going through is like, okay, oh, well, well, now what? what? You know, where do I take this degree and, and where do I, I take my passion? And, and she saw it. 
So from there, you then moved to the UK, and I assume part of that was Tim's career was taking you guys there? Yeah. So, you know, I got to a level at, at the Fashini Group, and then we decided that we were both of British heritage. I'd both faced into the real challenges. We, you know, we we were so proud of the fact, and I might get tearful now, and the fact that we stood and voted in the first Democrat, democratic election in South Africa. And that was just awesome. And we we had a big sense of we need to stay in and help with the progress of the country. But at the same time, we also recognized we did need to get our British passports back again. Mm -hmm. Both of our grandparents were British and we wanted to travel and we wanted to explore. Um, his career, his medical degree actually made that really possible. So, so we could go over, he could earn decent money, actually working the most ridiculous hours as a locum doctor in some, you know, pretty brutal A&E departments. But it enabled us to arrive, earn some good money, um, and then travel. And then we ended up staying. We, we'd never actually said we were going to immigrate. Mm -hmm. Our objective was always, let's just get our British passports. And then it opens up a lot more opportunities for us. Um, also mainly around travel. We both really love traveling. And to get a visa to go into Europe as a South African, you had to stand for hours to get a Schengen visa. And, you know, we were always a bit anxious about our, our passports, et cetera, at that time. So, mm -hmm. you know, our British passport was more about accessibility to the rest of the world. And then we stayed. Um, so did you start working immediately when you got there? Yeah, pretty much. So we started off in Dudley, which is just outside Birmingham, which was really quite an eye opener. We then saved up enough, enough money and traveled. And then I got a job as soon as we got back to London. So, um, you know, it was a really interesting experience because I felt like the poor cousin, like, you know, come from Hicksville in South Africa. And a lot of us do that. We feel like, you know, we're not as advanced. We're not as cool. We don't really do it as well. And I got into retail and I thought, wow, you know, South Africa was incredibly advanced in terms of data and planning and um, and retail concepts and then could use that foundation really to really step me up in the UK. So, you know, I worked with Freemans, which I loved. I then worked for Demonyms and then just, you know, progressed from there. So, and did you have um, your daughters at that stage? When did, when did they no, come? No, we were probably in our mid-20s. I had mm. my girls a bit later. Um, I was 33 when I had Leah. So we wanted to do a lot of the travelling. And and my, Tim was specialising in his surgical specialty. And I just loved the fact that I could be me and just... They were, at the time, I saw no limits to how fast and how far I wanted to progress. So we did all of that and then got to a point where we did have to sit down and have, I mean, genuinely, we had a conversation about, do we want kids? We hadn't thought about it. Yeah. And then it was, well, we couldn't say we didn't want children. So that must mean we want them. That might scare a lot of people out there. I don't know. <laughs> um, and, and then we went, we went and had three, you know, I've got three amazing daughters. So, you know, a lot of that journey and exploration, et cetera, was, was just the two of us. So you worked out after having one that you definitely did want them. And definitely didn't want them. I think, I think my family were like, good God, is this Sue? Um, where did that come from? She's, she's like super mom. But I was always really clear that, 
you know, I, and I definitely wanted three because I'm one of three girls. So for me, a family was three. But I was also always really clear that I also needed my career. So I had to find a way to balance being me really living up to my own goals and my own expectations of myself, but being the mom that I wanted to be, which is quite challenging in the fact that my mom was a, largely a stay-at-home mom. Mm. Um, she did a lot of voluntary work. She worked for a lot of, uh, she very generous with her time. And my parents were always the ones standing watching us at school functions on PTAs on. So I really don't underestimate that for a minute, um, the support and the guidance that they gave me and my sisters, but I knew that I needed to do more in the career space. So many people, um, you know, face that opportunity about how do they sort of, you know, how do they juggle those things? And, you know, you hear a lot of people talk about mother guilt and all those sorts of things. How did you navigate that that time and space? How did you make it work for you? Um, I won't lie. There was lots of guilt. Um, yeah. We've all been there. We've all been sick child or a bit of a temperature and, and that real anguish of now what do I do? I think a big factor is a partner or husband that is there to support when they can now you know, a lot of my struggle was that Tim was specialising and doing ridiculous on calls. And, and when the little, when my two elders were tiny, he actually had to live away from home for the year and come home every second weekend. So that, that was a real challenging time. But I, I think what helped at that time was that I worked with a lot of working moms in central London and we had to get on that tube because we were all in the same space and we had to walk out of the door at five o'clock. Because if we were all doing long commutes, and if we didn't get on that tube at say ten past five, our girls or children will be left at the nursery. Yes. So th that forced me to get out, get and spend some time with the girls, make sure that they were. I couldn't always get to bath them. My nanny did that, but you know, put them to bed. They got cuddles. We had the stories, and as they got older. The absolute non-negotiable for me was we always sit down and have dinner together. Mm. So I can't necessarily be there when they need me and they want to talk and I'm driving them to school. Or, But I'm accessible by text whenever it's possible. There's very rarely, if I can see there's an issue, I don't just quickly say, call you back in five. Yes. Um, or we sit down and we talk about things at dinner time. But how did I make it? work well you kind of just have to get on with it you know you you've got to be really clear in what's right for you mm. then equally you've got to be really clear about the kind of parent or mother you want to be and I think I was lucky to have a really good framework from my parents mm. and I was also really clear about who I needed to be at work so I'm really interested, um, and there might be some cultural differences and things going on here that I think are, are really important, but a lot of the conversations I have with women, a lot of people um, are challenged with the word ambitious Yeah, and, and find it hard to um, own their ambition or find that maybe there's been a backlash against them if they've been considered ambitious. Can I just ask, has that ever been a challenge for you? Have you always been comfortable or are you comfortable to say you're ambitious? I'm very comfortable to say I'm ambitious. Um, and I don't think I've, I've ever held back from saying that because it doesn't, 
um, I may have thought carefully how I say it. So, for example, if I'm going to go into an interview, I might not say to the person, you know what, I want your job. Yes. Um, I may phrase it slightly differently in the fact that what is the what is the development opportunities? I just need you to know I am looking for progression, etc. Um, I'm constantly looking to learn, but I'm absolutely ambitious. And I think that is in me by nature, again, because I, if I run 5Ks, I want to run six the next day and seven the next day and eight. And I don't apologize for that. Yeah. Um, I think we should be more open about that as long as it's not, as long as it's in a respectful, realistic way. I think, again, my dad was always really clear with us as, as girls you can do anything you set your mind to and but you've got to start what you finish so mm -hmm. there was that you've got to do your best you can do anything you want to do but you do it well so I grew up really thinking it's okay to want to be on the, the swimming team and run faster and be you know my daughters tease me about mom you're just teacher's pet you don't really understand I kind of do but, um, you know, it was in me, you know, so I was never, I was never as a child told, or oh, you don't say it like that, or, you know, be careful that people don't think you've got a big head. We were brought up in quite a strict environment, but we were very much enabled to do whatever was within our own capability. That is such a gift um, mm. to, yeah. to have had passed to you. Um, the question I have on that is, and we'll come to you moving to Australia in a minute as well, and that sort of period in your career. But um, the question I have about that is, you know, you run five, you want to run six the next day and seven next day, and there's a real drive to kind of improve yeah. yourself. Has that caused, like, has that ever caused a challenge, that real sort of, you know, push, you know, want to push yourself and, and keep going yeah. hard? Yes, I think it does. I think I've had to, over time, just recognise that's not always in the best interest of me because I will just keep driving myself and pushing myself. And it was a very big reason why I reached out and connected with you in terms of, you know, yes, I want to be um, really a brave and strong female leader, but it can't be at the expense of me constantly pushing myself to the limits. Mm -hmm. So how do I still manage that within a healthy framework? So, you know, it's okay just to take a, a pause and breathe and build and then be really clear about what the next steps are mm. but yeah it has because my you know my younger sister there's only 11 months between us she said to me before she said sue why is it never enough for you mm. you know what you've got or your you know your, I, I was struggling to have our third daughter yeah and you know my mom and my younger sister said but sue you've got two gorgeous girls why do you keep putting yourself through this mm. and i did have to stop and think wow I'd never thought of it that, like that before, but I was still really, really sure that there was a third. Mm. And um, I think you do, as as you progress, you do get more clarity in terms of where do you need to just rein it in. Um, you know, my running, unfortunately, I had to stop because I damaged my knees, but <laughs> otherwise I'd still be running ultra marathons. Yeah. And then, and then along came this beautiful third daughter. And then I call her my present um, and she, I always say to her, even now, you know, you know, you're my present and she kind of does the eye roll. Yes, mom, I think you might have told me that before. And along she came and, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, have changed any of the, the hard times in between and in, in getting her there. But yeah, it was, you know, sometimes you, something forces you to stop. Yeah. 
It's all part of your story, isn't it? Yeah. So back in the UK and Australia's on the horizon. Yep. So I think one of the, the key things we I did and, you know, I've reflected on this a lot in terms of what was my plan? Could I, should I have had a better career plan? Because it was a bit loose, you know, because of my nature of, oh, let's go here, let's go there. Oh, this sounds like a good adventure. Um, in hindsight, I could have made better career decisions. Um, but actually, I loved what I did. So, you know, that's why I say you can kind of um, reflect a bit too much. I had to leave London because of Tim's job. So he's an ENT surgeon. There were very few positions. And I think I always knew and talked about the time that I would have to be forced out of London yes. because he was not going to be able to get a job where I worked. So we had we got to that pointy end where I stepped away from my career for a period of time and supported him. And then I had my third daughter. I needed to get back. Um, you know, I got I recognized and fairly quickly that I needed my job and I needed my career and I needed to be Sue Price. Can I ask why? What what did that feel like, that phase? Um, I felt quite lost. I felt like I was as 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 respectful as I was for some of the women I met and spent time with and that that's just what they wanted or that's what they wanted to do I really felt lost in the fact that I was Leah's mom Abby's mom Tim's wife for me it was like well no I'm Sue Price Mm. so I you know once you've decorated the house and you've wiped the counter 50 times in the kitchen and you look around you think I actually need something to be able to to think about, to challenge me. And, and like-minded people, if I'm honest, is probably yes. also the other thing. I'm, I'm an extrovert and I get such an energy from an organisation, a team of people, yeah. people working together to deliver a bigger outcome than they could ever deliver for themselves. That's where I get my energy from. And so, um, you know, I had my um, I had my first daughter at the same age you had yours, and I just and, and I had that same feeling and that same urge. Like after I first had my daughter, I thought, how could I ever go back to work again? Um, and then I felt that urge, and I always wonder whether um, whether this resonates with you. I think it was because I had been well established in my career. I had an identity that was attached and associated with my career and success in my career. And I didn't want to lose that. 100%. 100%. And I have the most incredibly long-suffering husband. So he came home one day. I think I'd been off for a year. So, you know, Hannah was just just under a year. And I'd found a job with Liz Oil Cosmetics or skincare, and they were on the Isle of Wight. We lived in Dorset. Um, and I said, okay, I've rung them. I've organized an interview. And he just looked at me and said, what are you talking about? We live in Dorset as the Isle of Wight. Yeah, but I've also checked. There's a really good ENT job at Plymouth, you know, um, Plymouth Hospital. Um, we could move. You could take this position. I could do what I love doing. And he said, Sue, I'm not a rhinologist. The role was to be a rhinologist, which is noses. He said, you do know that I specialize in ears. Well, I think you could maybe try (laughs) it was just I got to a point where I thought okay you know it was groundhog day for me sounds like that was also an important part of your own medical training yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's 
Absolutely. <laughs> Fantastic. So, okay, so we, we kind of got back into that and then we're heading to Australia. Yeah. So we, we acknowledge that um, I needed to get back into being who I was. I wanted, as you really well said, I wanted to find my identity. And we recognised that he wasn't going to go back into London. So we saw an amazing opportunity to come to Australia. And, and I will be absolutely honest about this. I lost so much confidence mm-hmm. in that period of time of leaving um, in a really good position when I felt really secure and had a, a good career trajectory in London and then stepped out of the workplace for a number of years and then got to Australia and I'd really lost self-confidence. And I had and the most amazing people saying to me, here's the name of the MD, here, talk to this person, talk to that person. And I just couldn't do it. And I went in under the radar because I thought, well, what if I'm not good enough? What if Mm -hmm. if I've forgotten? You know, things might have changed. And within six weeks, I was promoted because it it was recognized, what are you doing at that level? You know, we've got this much bigger role for you and you need to be doing that. So that was amazing because I, I then realized one, retail doesn't change. Yep. in that period of time and actually I was really capable and and I just then really went for it and thought okay I'm you know bars off I'm, I'm, I'm going to really work for it and, and manage and learn how to manage the whole the whole piece the girls Tim's career and all of that together here in Australia. What sort of leader are you Sue? I am a well, in terms of my style, I'm a very um, consistent, approachable leader. I take my leadership style very, very seriously. So I'm you. Be, I'd be described as passionate. Mm. Um, I am challenging as a leader in the fact that I expect a lot of myself. I expect a lot of my team, but then I'll be really clear in terms of how we're going to meet those expectations. And mm. um, consistent. I'd say is one of the key things. And I, and I really measure myself. I've watched leaders all, all through my career and I've taken the traits and the values that I think resonate with me and, and being, you know, really integrity and, and doing what's right is so important for me. Mm-hmm. So if I can bring those together and I'll always have them in the back of my notebook and many times when I've driven home at night, I'll reflect on my style that day or or how the day went and really challenge myself, was I the leader I want to be? And if not, what am I going to change the next day? Was there a moment in your career where you kind of, um, you actually recognised that actually I'm really good at this, I'm a good leader? Um, Probably not. I think it did come a bit naturally. Um, I know this, I don't know, it does, because I, I like people and I like having a goal. And I like engaging people like, you know, my poor friends talk about when they were up on that catwalk and thinking, how did she get us to do this? We never wanted to be on a catwalk, but it's, I think just my energy and my passion, I I get people going with me. And, but I did have times, absolutely. When I had to look at some of the, some of stages in my leadership or my career and think that didn't work. Mm -hmm. I don't like that. I'm not going to, I need to work away from that or, you know, we, we probably probably started out being the leader I thought I should be in the fact that I was you've got to be you know professional and officious and chuff 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 and you know and I had a really good um, mentor and boss when I worked at Debenhams and she sat me down one day and she said Sue you need to see people you need to let people see who you are Mm -hmm. she said I can see who you are 
and you you your sense of humor your energy your how your face lights up you need to let more people see that mm. and that was a really good reflection for me because I thought well I thought I was doing that but actually I then had to I then realized okay I need to move more towards that space and I really did see the difference have you uh, would you describe retail or or aspects of your career as sort of a male dominated industry or how would you describe it um yes at at, a, at an exec level very definitely so um it was actually one of the one of the key reasons why we eventually left south africa was you know i worked in this incredible organization bearing in mind it was you know um, I won't defend South African men, but they, at the time, it was a very chauvinistic um, kind of mindset and, and lifestyle. And I'd worked for the company for five years. I'd had Tim as my partner all that time. I came in one day and I said, we're engaged, we're getting married. And the response was, oh, that's exciting. Oh, well, that's a shame because we thought you were going to do really well here. Oh, Wow. Uh, and I was like, mm, I, I don't understand. Well, you're going to have kids and you're going to want to stop working. And um, so, and there was all male. Yes. And the only women that I could see when I looked out on that amazing landscape was one. Mm. And when I then got to work in um, London, it was better. It was, and I felt wow, look, there's a lot more women in, in senior executive positions here. I can, I feel comfortable here. I can, you know, I can develop, but it is, you know, you look at, you look at organizations, even who 95% of their customers are female, they're 95% of the team members in stores are female. The middle management is very, very female dominated. But when you start getting to an exec level or even a board level, they're men. Why do you think we're not seeing, and I'll just pick Australia, but why do you think we're not seeing progression of females into some of those senior leadership roles? We are, but it's slow. Yeah, um, there's still very much a, a, a mateship culture here, very definitely. Mm. And um, I've experienced that absolutely. And, and it's about, you. a lot of my, my female colleagues really, really, you know, they've done incredibly well to a point in their career. And they just look out and think, oh, we're just done. We, we, we can't do this, this stuff, this, this blokey stuff. We, we want to find our space where we can be really with just smart, like-minded people. And, and it's diverse and the best people are there because they're the best people. Mm. You don't want to do all this blokey stuff. Did, so you that, struggle, did you struggle to find your voice at times in, that, in those environments? I think I changed sometimes my voice to try and fit into what was required. Mm. And probably that was a little bit of me being that more professional, officious, as opposed to just feeling like I could be me. Yes. And then I discovered I can be me. And that also really works. Yeah. But I've never been afraid of, of expressing myself at yeah. all. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes the lesson from that is I'll, I'll look back and think, oh, that didn't really go down well they didn't really like me having that strong point of view or and it's always you know very respectful I'm very conscious of how I say things of but but there definitely were times where it was like oh and it's interesting because um some people have said to me well we know South Africans are very direct and I'll say it's not being South African it's just that I say what what I think needs to be said and then we need to do something about it mm. I can't talk about it for three days. 
And you've had uh, extraordinary success in your career. And I think a lot of that's always come from a deep understanding of the customer. Absolutely love that. So I really want to understand who she is. And, you know, I've worked in really diverse organisations. Um, you know, even when I started out, I was in a menswear chain in South Africa. And I loved the fact that I could do um, the analysis on who was buying what and why. So, you know, we've got a hugely um, diverse culture in mix in South Africa. And, you know, you from your just what, what the different cultures wear is so extreme. And just to get underneath that and say, well, let's send more of that. Oh, wow, look at the sales go, but don't send them that. Mm-hmm. Do we really understand what they want? Um, do we understand their, you know, the big events in their lives, et cetera? So I love really understanding who the customer is. Mm. And just being able to, and I get a real kick out of, oh, wow, look, you know, look at the sales, look how beautiful it looks, it's working, but now how do we do more? What do you think the importance of retail is? Importance of retail. Look, we can buy, you can buy and sell anything. I think retail is about presenting um, a lifestyle to a consumer. So Mm. it's, it's giving her confidence. So, you know, you work. You walk into, you know, a Chanel counter or Chanel boutique, or you work, walk into a, a home store. The p- absolute purpose of retail is about presenting ideas, how you can do this, how you can look well, how you can look gorgeous, mm. and this is how you do it. And mm. we'll help you by putting some amazing person in our store, who will help you put it together if you don't have the confidence, or make sure that that. Um, experience is is an amazing one but otherwise you know there would absolutely be no 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 reason why I mean my favorite place in the world is Selfridges right it is it's just because it, I get that you just walk around and you think wow wow look how they put that together wow I mean you know yes it's all beautiful and I can't afford half of it but it's just the experience is is incredible and you must be feeling big withdrawals then after oh huge <laughs> Two years of no travel, so yeah, must really be locking you in. So I wanted to ask you, I was incredibly lucky to have you as one of the foundation members on the Brave Feminine Leadership Mastermind Program. Can I ask you to share, um, and it's to help me understand the customer as well, so can I ask you, um, what did you take away from us working together over that time? There was a couple of things that I'd uh, I reached out. One was I wanted someone, again, to challenge my own thinking Mm. and to stretch me. I wanted to meet like-minded women. And I really also wanted to understand, was very intrigued by, you know, brave female leadership. What what does that mean? Because it was, you know, really resonated with me at a time of my career and my life. Um, Yeah, it was just about how do I get... How do I get to be more? And it, it delivered on all of those because you really, the, the program really made me challenge, like we were talking about earlier, if, if you keep going more and more and more, then something's going to have to break. So how do I readdress that? How do I have the tools available to me to be able to manage the balance in, or better manage the balance in my life? And, and you got me doing things that I've never done before. Um, you know, I absolutely meditated. I would never have thought I would have done that. Mm. I wrote a journal. It, it took you a while. 
Yeah. You keep reminding me. It's like, have you got that? I had to find the best book, obviously, and it had to be beautiful. But it it really was a really important part of the program. Um, and the other parts were just being exposed to different thinking and and you know some of the speakers that we were exposed to and and also the 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 really key thing was at the time you were launching your first series of interviews and I really drew on those enormously and they and that gave enormous context to what we were working on but I think the probably the most outstanding thing is I've never probably sat down and said okay what is my longer term goal mm. what is my real vision and my goal and 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 articulate it put it down on a piece of paper and then be really clear about how you're going to get there and that was probably quite scary for me yeah um, and the thing I hear from a lot of people Sue is um, and some people love it some people don't but then you've got me to help keep you accountable too yeah absolutely <laughs> To, um, to delivering it too. It was an absolute pleasure to, to have you in the program. And I think we had, you know, we had an incredible group of, yeah. of women. So, so blessed with that. Yeah. So I want to ask you the question that I ask everybody in our interview series. And that is from your perspective, what does brave feminine leadership look like? And do you think it needs to change? So for me, being brave is absolutely being yourself. So as a, as a brave feminine leader, you need to be able to be really clear about who you are and don't make yourself small mm. and step up and continue to step up and actually ask for help. So a big part of being brave, which was a big part of what the work we went through and, and you know, the, um, the subsequent thinking and was, uh, it's okay to ask for help and it's okay to network because I'd never really embraced the networking thing unless it was work related, but it's, it's, it's be brave and reach out and find your people and find other women and, or other people who can really support you. So for brave as you don't have to keep doing it as you're doing it, mm. step up, don't make yourself small and really reach out and ask for help. And then in terms of how does it need to change? No, I don't think so. I think it just needs to be accelerated. Mm. I want to know that my girls, when they step into that workplace, some of the battles that we've had to face into, I don't believe they won't be there, but I think they'll be less. And they'll be more empowered to deal with them than I was when I stepped out of university when I was 18 years old. Mm. So it just needs to continue and it needs to. I get so excited when I see the rhythm and the voice and the you know, the, the extraordinary young women who are actually being really brave, yes, around, you know, more around um, sexual harassment, etc. But but I actually want to see more of them be brave about themselves in, in corporate life and and just keep the momentum going. So thank you so much for just on the back of that, for being a role model yourself and, you know, sharing some of those elements of corporate life that aren't always easy along the way. So it's fantastic having you join the conversation. Uh, it's been wonderful thank to have you. your voice as part of the Bro Feminine Leadership Team. Only a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening today. Our mastermind programs are open right now for July and we would love the chance to connect. Shoot me an email, melissa at bravefeminineleadership.com if you feel like you're ready to take the next intentional step in your career.